Hello. Hi. And welcome to episode 23 of Hardly Paranormal Podcast. I'm Jerry. I'm Lacey. And we're going to talk about movies and scary stuff and things. (laughs) (laughs) This is off to a cracking start. (laughs) So, yeah, we've taken a little bit of a break. Uh, We just, between being sick, uh, being exhausted, and having a thousand things to do all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And then getting sick again. And then getting sick again. Uh, We needed to take a smidgy break, uh, but we are now ready to do some recording. (laughs) Jerry's doing some weird hand movements and I can't. It's the only way to stay alive right now. (laughs) I have to keep myself moving to keep my body animated. (laughs) So today we are actually going to be doing um, a review of a film we watched recently. Then we're going to talk about sort of a spooky folklore piece that involves that movie. Uh, And you might notice that this is not only a little bit of a deviation from our normal style, but our intro is also extra special. (laughs) Oh god, I hate that so much. (laughs) I said it while making eye contact with you for a reason. I hated it. So this episode, we're actually going to be dedicating it to a little podcast that... Little, they do so much better than us. They do so much better than us that you you all know. Everyone listens to this podcast. If you don't, I have no time for you. (laughs) I hope you get a bad grade on a test and one of your shoes goes missing. (laughs) Uh, We're, of course, talking about Matt and Freya over at Full Movie Podcast. Anyone who listens to our show for any length of time, for whatever reason, you know that we reference them like every other episode. (laughs) (laughs) We can't really help it. (laughs) (laughs) They're just so wonderful that we have to. Yeah, they're wonderful. They do a fantastic job, and their show is doing really, really well. Uh, And deservedly so. Yeah. Basically, the format of their show, if you somehow don't know, (laughs) is they watch movies and then they talk about them. But these are particularly movies that are kind of forgotten. Movies that maybe you haven't seen in a long time. And this puts me in a weird spot whenever Matt is talking to me about, you know, oh, look, this is what we got planned for the future. And I'm just like, I have seen all of those within the last two months. (laughs) Because (laughs) we watch lots of old movies. So today we're actually going to be talking about the... 2020 film Vampires vs. the Bronx. Bum, bum, but bum. not Vampire in Brooklyn. Because <laughs> I don't have the mental fortitude to watch that movie. It's so bad. Oh my god. Yeah, if you've not ever seen Vampire in Brooklyn, it's got Eddie Murphy as a vampire. In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. And it's essentially the same plot of Coming to America, where he's come to America from a foreign land to find a bride. (laughs) And he's looking in a borough of New York City. (laughs) Oh my god, I never pieced that together. He almost uses the same accent for his vampire character. It's so bad, I can't talk about it. Man, now I want to watch it. Yeah, it's really bad. And he's in, uh, he does like his makeup, like how he did in The Nutty Professor. He plays like a pastor. At one point he plays like a white like thug guy and yeah it's all over the place like it's supposed to be scary but it's super goofy (laughs) this movie is not like that at all (laughs) no this is well done yeah this is super super well done um the synopsis that we have here is this is from from netflix because this is a netflix movie when gentrification from an unlikely and deadly source creeps into the bronx a group of teenage friends rally to save the beloved local bodega and fight against a supernatural force intent on taking over their homes at all costs. Bum bum bum. Yeah, very bum bum bum. This is tremendously well acted and written. Yeah. Um, I was really, really surprised at the quality of it. Like, I don't know why I... I mean, I think it's because if you look at the title, Vampires vs. the Bronx, like, and it's on Netflix, 
Yeah. You kind of have some low expectations. And we were watching really bad shows on Netflix because we're always dying on the couch, so I have nothing else to do. <laughs> but yeah, this was great. Yeah, it was really, really good. I think all the, the kid actors in it were really, really good. They all had a, a really strong... It felt very like Stranger Things, mm -hmm. but like to the next level, if yeah. that makes sense. And it had a really great cast. Uh, Method Man is in it as a priest, which like right there, that's all you need. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> And there's a lot of really solid acting, really solid storytelling. Um, it was directed by Oz Rodriguez, who, uh, so like some of the stuff that he did was, he did a short called The Wire, the musical, which was really funny. He's also done a lot of work with Reggie Watts. Uh, he did another short uh, called Jay-Z Story, which was uh, very enjoyable. Um, he did The Last Man on Earth. Uh, it was like a TV show. He did like an episode of that. Uh, he's done a lot of Saturday Night Live. He's kind of in the newer seasons, which uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of because I've been hurt too much by <laughs> SNL. But he does a lot of a lot of work that focuses, it puts primary focus on stories involving people of color, which is super refreshing. Yeah. Especially when you have a story like this, where you have kids in their neighborhood defending it, banding together against a supernatural force. Like, don't really see... Oh, I, don't, I can't recall any movies I've seen where there's a movie like that, that is their central characters are all people of color. Yeah. They're always all just a bunch of white kids. So this is really refreshing. It reminds me of so many great movies like this like the monster squad lost boys it just has that like uh it kind of makes me f uh think of the goonies a little bit yes yeah very like a bunch of ragtag kids getting together fighting some vampires it's very very cool the vampires are really cool too they're all white scandinavian people <laughs> and they're all vicious assholes and their whole thing is they're buying up property so they can move and live in the neighborhood and feed on the population and their whole justification for this is that uh the bronx is a kind of place where people don't care if someone goes missing and the the kids there very and i mean the neighborhood really they very quickly prove that that is not the case mm -hmm. and that they can't just come in and take their their neighborhood so it's very very cool speaking of like scandinavian looking people what do you call a Viking who's been bit by a vampire? What? Norse Feratu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Norse Feratu. <laughs> oh, was he said Scandinavian? I'm like, wait, 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 don't stop this. I need to tell you something. I got one. That makes me think of that SpongeBob episode with the lights going on and off or the hash slinging slasher. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but how do you explain the lights going off? And it's it's um, Max Shrek as Count Orlock. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's Ferratu. <laughs> <laughs> so watching this got me in the mood to talk about and think about vampires a lot. Obviously, vampires have been, let's say, maybe misrepresented recently, <laughs> with a lot of popular books that may or may not have been adapted into films. <laughs> <laughs> Full Movie Podcast, as it actually happened, just actually did uh, The Lost Boys, uh, did an episode of The Lost Boys, and it really is, to me, like one of the quintessential works of modern vampire fiction. Oh, for sure, I love that movie so much. Did you know that it's called The Lost Boys because it's based on The Lost Boys from Peter Pan? No. They're young forever. They can fly. And there's like Michael and Peter and like... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what? Ooh. Yeah. And that made me love the movie even more. That idea that it wasn't just like uh, some vampires. Yeah. Called The Lost Boys because that sounds 80s and cool. Mm -hmm. like, uh, but yeah, that really is like a quintessential film for me in terms of like how uh, vampires formed in my imagination. Mm -hmm. They live in little hives. They have a leader vampire. Their faces turn all buffy-like whenever mm -hmm. they are 
the presence of food. <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah, my brow gets insane. It's really gross. <laughs> but it got me thinking about how, especially like with, with our daughter, we're teaching her right now about how stories that she loves that are contemporary stories sometimes have a basis in an older story. And you can read that older story and you'll make a little bit more sense out of the newer story. And that got me thinking about, well, how is a story like this possible? This Vampires versus the Bronx. Because this idea of a vampire buying a property in New York to, uh, you know, kind of start a new reign of terror, that's not a new idea. That's mm -hmm. literally the basis for Dracula, where he's buying a property in London so he can go to London and do his thing there. For a lot of people, I think Dracula is the first vampire story. Yeah. But we know that that's definitely not true. So where do you think Dracula comes from? I don't know, but did you know that vampires aren't real? Yes. Unless you count Dracula. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, solid landing. <laughs> I don't really know much about like Dracula and vampires, other than they're a pain in the neck. <laughs> wow, that was very nice. You snuck that right in. Oh, oh my yeah, God. I did. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, the popular, and I mean, we've seen this in films, lots of adaptations of Dracula, like mm -hmm. lots of them. And we've seen in films that the common idea is that Bram Stoker based Dracula on Vlad Tepes or uh, Vlad Dracul, Vlad the Impaler. And that's really, I mean, that's something that's embraced, I think. I think we like the idea that a monster like Dracula could have been real. Yeah. But I also think that it's, it's pretty universally seen as like just something for them to capitalize on. Yeah. Because you can go to Romania and go to the castle that... Vlad Tepes used to live in and it's it's a tourist destination now they're like oh it's the Dracula castle and you know the strange thing about that is one Bram Stoker never went to that part of the world he learned a little bit about Slavic folklore and sort of vampire stories he spent years studying them but as far as like that whole thing of him basing it on this one particular person I don't think that that's true and I'm not alone a lot of people don't believe that because Bram Stoker uh, he's from Dublin. What I find very strange is he is both simultaneously referred to as an Irish author, but also described as having studied in Ireland or and, and having lived in Ireland. Like kind of like he wasn't Irish. So I at first did not think he was Irish. I thought I thought he was like English or something. I mean, to be fair, I also studied in America, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never. Say, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't describe a person like that. Be like, well, I lived in America and mm -hmm. studied there, and they're like, oh, where are you from? Like, no, America. I'm from America. <laughs> that's kind of what a lot of these people. All the stuff I've read about Bram Stoker. That's what they. That's how they put it. It's very strange. And while living there, you know, because he was born there, there is a story in Ireland from the fifth century about this vampire called Avertok. Avertok was like a warlord during, uh, like I said, the 5th century. There was um, what they call like petty kings, where like someone would gain just enough power to control like a small area and be like, I am the king of this place. And like, that was it. And they Instead would of like the wanderlust king, it'd yeah. be the petty king. <laughs> the petty king. He doesn't travel, he doesn't learn the world, he just finds a small chunk of it and decides he wants it for himself. That'd be our kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> so the legend goes that he was very cruel and very uh, mean to his, his subjects, but also that he was a powerful sorcerer who had magic powers that were derived from some kind of dark force. And the people kind of had enough of his shit, and so they went and found another petty king, and they paid him to kill him. And they did, and then they buried him, standing up which was customary and seen as like the right justification you know the, the justifying thing for burying him like that was because he was a king this was like the right thing to do which if you don't like the guy enough to hire someone to kill him why do you give a shit about yeah <laughs> i don't understand that do you so, think they were just being petty <laughs> so as you like he 
came up out of the ground later, went back home, sat on his throne, and demanded bowls of blood that he was drinking to sustain himself. And the people were like, hey, didn't we kill that guy? So <laughs> they killed him again, and then they buried him again. They did this a bunch of times, actually, where they kept killing him and burying him, and he just kept coming back and would go back to his throne, and he would demand human blood in bowls for him to drink to sustain himself. So the people, according to the story, they sought out sort of a, someone who knew something of the ways of magic. Mm -hmm. And were like, what do we do about this? Like, we're kind of getting tired of killing him. <laughs> and he basically said, you can't kill him because he is between worlds, living and dead. So you're, you're not going to be able to kill him under, uh, by normal means. Yeah. They said what you would have to do is you would have to get a sword made of you wood. And you can kill him with that. That has to be where the wooden stake comes from. Oh. Did they get like a vampire hunter? Oh, go on, go no, on. No, no, I'm, I'm asking, like... They did, did not, no. Uh, well, what would you call a vampire slayer that lies? Bluffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are good. You Thank got some you. good ones this time around. <laughs> vampire ones are a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that's got me. So, they weren't going to do that. Like, they just, they were like, is there another way? So, he suggested bury him upside down. Again, they killed him again. They buried him upside down with his head facing downward and then they put a huge rock over his grave and a bunch of thorns and that was it like that solved the problem do you think by the end he looked like that part in the mask where he's just shooting out like he has a bunch of wounds and stuff and every time he drinks it just shoots out of holes in his body <laughs> oh, god i hope so <laughs> the thing that i like about that part of the legend is as a solution to a vampire they don't know if, like, he can't come back to life that way, or if he's digging up, trying to get out, but he's digging down. Oh, oh, that's brutal, and I hate it. <laughs> that means that maybe, I mean, this was in the 5th century, so this is a really long time ago. Maybe at some point he dug all the way through to the other side and came up out of the ground, and, like, he's out there now. <laughs> yeah, it took him till 2020, and now this is why everything is messed up. <laughs> the, the evil wizard Avartak. He's come back to get us all. Why are vampires like wizards? Why are vampires like wizards? Because they're necromancers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> nice. I've been built up. I haven't told jokes in like three weeks. So I gotta, I gotta get good. it. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people believe that not only would Bram Stoker have known this story, this actually has a lot of the hallmarks of what we now know as vampire lore. Because had he based his vampire on Slavic folklore, it would have been a very different thing completely. Uh, generally, vampires in Slavic lore were very rarely humanoid. Uh, I mean, they would have... Are they like energy? Well, that's one of them. There were energy vampires that you couldn't see, that could siphon life energy from people. There was also, some of them were bloated bodies. Like, they were just like, almost Same. Like, <laughs> they were almost like zombies. They were just these bloated bags of blood that would feed on the living. Some of like, them also like- Like human mosquitoes? Yeah. Oh, I, guess I hate that. Vampires kind of are mosquitoes in a way. Because I think I would be okay with them drinking blood if they didn't bother me. <laughs> Like, I don't know how they can't bother me and drink my blood at the same ew, time. Ew, 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 Okay, instead of, like, fangs, can you imagine if they had those little slurpy faces? <laughs> the proboscis? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, oh. That's what they did in Blade 3. There was the ones that their mouths opened up and they had that tongue thing. No, I want, like, just, like, the little zip. <laughs> zip. <laughs> oh. That's awful. Oh, can you draw that for me? No. Come <laughs> I'll on. throw up on my paper. <laughs> Never do anything. <laughs> 
But also, the uh, one of the most famous vampire-like creatures from Slavic folklore is the Strigoi, or the Striga. That's that thing from, like, the Witcher series that he fights in the tomb. Mm-hmm. And that was decidedly very inhuman-looking and not sexy at all. It was not a sexy vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those, they didn't necessarily drink blood. I mean, they did, but they, they also just ate people. So the Slavic idea of a vampire isn't really in line with what Stoker wrote about. It's a lot closer to the legend of Avertok. So I think that that's a very valid argument. There was a book published in 1972. I cannot remember who wrote it, <laughs> but it was a, a study. It was called In Search of Dracula. And it was a study of Bram Stoker's work, and it actually was the first publication to put forward the idea that he based it on Vlad Tepes, Mm -hmm. and that that's where it came from. Here's the funny thing about that. At no point does the name Vlad, or Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Tepes, Vlad Dracul, none of that actually appears in any of Bram Stoker's working notes for the novel. Huh. He does have little snippets of history from that area, which makes sense, given that the first part of the book takes place in that area. Yeah. So you want him to know a little bit about it. But there's not a ton of evidence to support this. It kind of seems more like a cool idea that they were trying to, like, force the facts to support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the idea that it was a sorcerer who had mystical abilities that could not die, these things made a lot more sense to me in terms of where Dracula comes from. Uh, some people have also suggested that Dracula and his relationship with Jonathan Harker was in some way Bram Stoker trying to uh, sort of express his frustration and um, repressed homosexuality. Oh. There's not really, like, there's nothing public that states that he was a homosexual, but he had a very strong devotion to a lot of public figures, like his some of his contemporaries, to the point where people think he might have had feelings for them, or, you know, maybe had a crush on them or something. Oh. And he also was, he was married, but he was in, like, a sexless marriage that was not really publicly uh it wasn't really in the public consciousness like he wasn't really ever seen out with his wife (laughs) (laughs) and also later parts of his life he called for the imprisonment of all homosexual authors in britain and some people think that this was like his way of kind of uh expressing a form of self-loathing that's (laughs) i believe it (laughs) or maybe he was just trying to like be like oh no get them away well yeah i'm a very straight man yeah that's what a lot of people think is that that's that's what he was doing when he was alive he was actually not known for being an author he was most well known uh, as working for uh i think it was henry irving yeah henry irving i always get his first name wrong because i've only ever seen him as irving Henry Irving, who was an actor, and he was like the first actor to ever be knighted. So he was super famous, like in America, he was famous in England. And he had time to kind of rub elbows with high society as, you know, traveling around as this guy's like assistant. And he got to meet tons of famous people. He got to meet Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, cool. He got to meet Walt Whitman. He got to meet James Whistler. At some point, it was said that he met Oscar Wilde. Like, I mean, the dude was getting around. Like, he was meeting a lot of really cool... (laughs) He was meeting a lot of really cool people. And Walt Whitman was one of his idols. So this is a huge deal for him to... to Damn you, Walt freaking Whitman. (laughs) Leaves of grass, my ass. Yeah, and I think he also, uh, he met Hall Caine, who was another author uh, who was alive at the time. And he became very close with him. And he actually dedicated Dracula to... So, again, and this is sort of the, the the little breadcrumbs that people are seeing and thinking that this might have been, you know, he had some more than just an admiration for some of these guys. Do you think that's why they made, oh, what was that insane vampire show that we watched? Um, <laughs> Man, that does not narrow it down at all. Um, where, like, the, the 
Dracula guy was like always hitting on Jonathan and like the one nurse lady was a nun and she went and like Oh no, Dracula. Like it was the BBC one. Yeah. Yes. That yes. was where, wild. Where he he's in the coffin and the Demeter sinks and then they find him in the modern day. Yes. Yes. That was so weird. Yeah. He was definitely in love with Jonathan in that show. Right. And okay, th- this is kind of it's all coming together. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Some people believing that that was why that the relationship that Jonathan Harker and Dracula have in the novel was possibly his way of expressing some of these repressed emotions. Because that's not the only interpretation of Dracula where I've seen that. So I believe it. I totally Mm -hmm. believe it. I I think it sucks that he would have to live that way uh, if it's true. Yeah. So what is your take on vampires? Why do you think we are afraid of vampires. I don't know. My first ever reading about vampires was we used to have these books when I was a kid of like supernatural beings. We have them like werewolves, we have them on vampires and stuff like that. But I knew of the energy vampire first. Yeah. And then um I think we've all known energy vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and then as a small child, my dad had me watch um Oh, what was that movie with George Clooney? The vampire one. I don't know. Dawn, from Dawn Till Dusk. Oh, from Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So that was like my second introduction into vampires. So in my head, they're Holy just crap. like... Yeah, I watched that when I was like eight. It says a lot about me as a person now. Um, so I guess like in my head, they're like... They're not... I guess they are the sexy vampires, but like more like chompy chompy mm-hmm. than like seducy seducy. So... <laughs> Uh, I am not really afraid of the idea of vampires. I don't know why in the collective they're scary. So why do you think that they persist? Like the actual mythological figure, they don't seem to die. They always come back. I mean, Anne Rice's novels made vampires not just, you know, kind of sexy, but she gave them human qualities. She made them relatable. Mm -hmm. We could see that the monster wasn't just a monster that it had motivations and feelings and things like that. And that created a huge resurgence in vampire fiction. But why do you think they endure so much? I think because they're interesting, because they're like people, but they have this really dark quality about them. I think that's really interesting, because like everyone has kind of a dark quality, but they have like a super dark one. Yeah. And also they're usually pretty hot. So I mean, like that's cool. <laughs> like Count Orlock? <laughs> I think more like Gary Oldman. Yeah. And like the serious black getup, you know? Oh, okay. I was like, you mean after he gets to London or when yes, he yes, has yes. like the, the bra hair? <laughs> <laughs> I could only think of um the the head boobs from Little Nicky whenever I see that. <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I think that vampires have a very strange allure because they live forever, which I know would be um, uh, attractive to some people. But in order to live forever, there's a price where, like, you have to take lives. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting, like, thought experiment of, like, would you want to live forever if it meant you had to kill people? How much is eternity worth to you? Is it worth other lives for you to have more life? You know, that's a very interesting sort of examination of of, of human uh, desire and motivation. I would just work for, like, a blood bank. (laughs) (laughs) Just take shots on my breaks, you know? Yeah, I guess you could do that. Yeah. I'd be the nicest vampire. You'd have to work the night shift. (laughs) Yeah, I would be like Louis uh, in Interview with the Vampire, like eating rats. Yeah. (laughs) Just going to the pet store and like, they're for my snake, I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the things that has always intrigued me about Dracula especially is when he is sort of portrayed as this sexy, seductive figure. Because I've never seen him that way. 
And I think that, especially with stuff like Twilight, mm-hmm. that they have altered what a vampire was. They've made the monster sexy. And I think that that is a mistake. Yeah. I think that um, Dracula really truly represents a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't love Mina. He doesn't want Mina. He preys upon her. He wants her even if she doesn't want him. And when he makes these brides, they're not his brides because he loves them. They're his brides because they're under his control. And, I mean, he's an abusive dickhead. Like, he's a monster. <laughs> and when you look at stuff like Twilight, they they have this thing where you can love the monster and you can change the monster if you just look past the monstrous stuff. Yeah. And I think that is a garbage message. Like, <laughs> no. This is monstrous behavior. That is a monster. And I I enjoy that in uh, Vampires vs. the Bronx, they brought that back. Where Mm -hmm. the vampires did not view the people as people. They were a means to an end. They were, you know, they dehumanized the humans. And I think that is what makes them scary. Is that they look like us, they sound like us, but they don't view us the same way. They are... Not they're 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 much more uh, than a human being mm-hmm. in a very dangerous way. I think that that's really scary. Yeah. So before we kind of wrap this up, because it's a bit of a short episode, we, we I've had this one kicking around for a little while, and I was like, man, we just got to record it, and then we'd be like, okay, tonight we're gonna record, we're gonna mm-hmm. get this going, and then one of us would fall apart <laughs> and be ill or something. Yeah, we were talking about it Friday, and then Saturday, um, I got diverticulitis. Yeah. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> you could say it's really sucking the life out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. I love it. So to sort of wrap this thing up, we do want to talk about the one and only recommendation that I'm going to have for this episode. Mm-hmm. And that is Full Movie Podcast. I don't, I really don't even know what to say because I feel like anyone that's listening to this obviously listens to them. And we're definitely, we're obsessed, but like, at the point where, like, we're starting to get weird. Like, I got a tattoo of Freya's drawing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's becoming a problem. We're very extra. I wanted to say obsessed in a good way, but that's the kind of thing that a stalker says. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the podcast, not only is their show great, mm-hmm. they it comes from such a place of love. And this is something that we have said many, many times before about them, is that they love movies, they love talking about them, and especially the nostalgia factor that is involved in a lot of their movies. Like, these these movies that they do love, it comes from, like, a warm, cuddly place in the past. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Except for when they talk about Spaceballs. Oh my god, it will never end. <laughs> uh, and during this time that we were taking the break, we didn't really talk a whole lot. Like, I haven't been really active on social media. Um, I just needed to, like, defrag <laughs> temporarily. We didn't really communicate with anybody about, like, what was going on, why we weren't doing anything. It wasn't anything major. It was literally, like, we just started getting sick. And then we were just like, we need a break. <laughs> but Matt kept checking in with me and asking, like, you know, hey, like, all right what's going on like mm-hmm. what are you up to like when's the next episode coming out like, uh all from a place of you know concern and care we talked about a while ago what what have we learned from podcasting what's been the best part of podcasting and kind of like you know what what do we get out of it you know people liking my laugh <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good for me matt and freya and the friendship that we have developed with them over the last few months is the best part about this hmm. I think that I don't know what I was expecting when we hit record that very first time. <laughs> and then we very frightened uh, 
as, as, as frightened little lambs, <laughs> waited to see what people said and thought. Um, I didn't really know what I was expecting. I, I think I was expecting this to be a hobby, which it still kind of is just like sort of a hobby. I was never expecting to get a pair of uh, good friends out of it. Mm -hmm. And they truly are the most rewarding part of this whole process for me. We have a standing appointment for a pint when <laughs> when the world comes down and we get ourselves out to England. I always know that if I get a message and on my phone and it says Matt Toppin, <laughs> there goes two hours of my day <laughs> because we are going to be talking about all kinds of crap. And it is also uh, one of my favorite ways to spend time right now. So we really are grateful for both Matt and Freya, not just for their show, which, God, like, if you're not listening to this show, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, Turn us off. We suck. Turn <laughs> us off right now. The rest of it is just going to be us gushing about how good that show is. <laughs> Turn us off. Go find them. Go listen. They cover all the movies you love, and they're going to cover more movies that you're going to love. Uh, no, but I really appreciate them for the show and for their consistency. Can't relate. <laughs> Can't relate. And for supporting us and, you know, helping us with advice and encouragement and criticism and helping us be better. But also for the friendship that we have forged with them. Uh, that's been that's been really great. Um, I am not as deep as Jerry is, but what I can offer is more jokes because I thought this was going to be a longer episode. So let me rapid fire some jokes at you. Oh, do it. Yeah. To kill a French vampire, you need to drive a baguette through its heart. Sounds easy, but the process is painstaking. <laughs> you know, I have a gripe about staking vampires through the heart. Because you see that in movies, especially the old Hammer films, where mm -hmm. they're like, the only way to kill a vampire is with a wooden stake through its heart. And I'm like, you could kill deer that way. Mm -hmm. You could kill a possum that way. Like, you could kill me that way. Like, can we stop pretending that a stake through the heart makes vampires special? <laughs> Continue. <laughs> How would you call attention to a uh, handsome French vampire? Oh. Dracula la. <laughs> <laughs> when does an idea kill a vampire? Go for it. When it dawns on them. <laughs> Why don't vampires bet on horses? Why? They can't handle the stakes. <laughs> I took a shower with a vampire yesterday. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> I hate that one. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I thought you had a whole bunch Oh, ready. I did. How do you kill a gluten-free vampire? Garlic bread. Do you think vampire... Like, what... Do you think they don't like garlic... Because it has a supernatural thing? Or is it just it reeks and their supernatural senses give them extra strong sense of smell? I don't know. They walk in and they hiss, like, ah, and they go back and they're like, back demon! He's like, oh my god, your house reeks! <laughs> All of your windows smell terrible. What is vampire's favorite beverage? Blood. What? Blood. No. Yes! Dracola. <laughs> <laughs> I just broke up with my vampire girlfriend. She sucked Aww. the life out of me. This is why you've been sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Secret vampire girlfriend. <laughs> There's a vampire who's more powerful than any other because he cannot be hurt by the sun. All other vampires pale in comparison. That was Lacey's Jokes Corner. <laughs> oh my god. So we're going to close this episode out by playing their promo. Uh, if, you've had it, if you haven't heard it yet, again, who even needs to hear this promo? You know the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go ahead and close out with their promo. And again, thank you to Matt and Freya for everything you guys do, everything you guys have done, and we just hope you guys keep being groovy. Jack, ooh la la. <laughs> Hello, I'm Matt. And I'm Freya. We are podcasters now. Apparently so. Yes. 
What are we podcasting about? Movies. Movies. As if there's a podcast about movies. There's never a thing about movies, is there? Never. I mean, you know, there's plenty of uh, movie reviews, that sort of thing. But have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish there was a podcast where two people explain very little about the plot of a film, but just kind of talk about their favourite bits? (laughs) Well, have we got the podcast for you? What's it called? Full Movie Podcast. It's a it's a reference. It's a play on words. What's it a play on words of? I don't know. You made it up. Full Metal Jacket. Oh, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it? No. Stick with me, girl. We'll watch it. Great. Yeah. So, that's us. We do podcasting now at Full Movie Podcast. Full Movie Podcast. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Have a good one, guys. Tito Pip. Tune in.